0: Join me for honest conversations and inspiring stories about personal and professional growth all through the lens of nursing. Well, hey there. Welcome back to the Nurse Becoming podcast. It's your host, Amanda Gornery. Thank you so much for being here with me today. This episode is airing the week before the presidential election in 2020. So what I wanted to do was inspire you with an interview about something policy and... Politics related kind of. So today's interview is with Dr. Stephen Ferrara. He is a nurse practitioner, a practicing NP. He has more than 19 years of clinical experience and is the associate dean of clinical affairs and an associate professor at Columbia University's School of Nursing. The reason why I wanted to interview Dr. Ferrara today is because he has held various elected leadership positions in his state's nurse practitioner organization as well as on the national level. So he is currently the executive director of the New York Nurse Practitioner Association and he is also the Region 2 director of the AANP, the American Association of Nurse Practitioners, which if you are a nurse practitioner, you should know about and hopefully be a member of. And Dr. Ferrara has extensive health policy experience, and he was instrumental in moving forward New York State's Nurse Practitioners Modernization Act in 2014, and this has resulted in increased access for nurse practitioner-led care. Uh, I am licensed as an NP in New York State, and I have seen that evolve over the years, and Dr. Ferrara was really uh, a champion of that. He's also a fellow of the AANP, a fellow of the New York Academy of Medicine, and a fellow of the National Academies of Practice. And later this year, he will be inducted as a fellow of the American Academy of Nursing. So needless to say, Dr. Ferrara has had an extensive career, both clinically and also in the leadership health policy world. And in this interview, we're gonna talk about professional organizations. So we'll learn about Dr. Ferrara and his career path And we're also going to get into what it means to be a part of a professional organization, how you can get involved at more of a leadership capacity if you're not yet involved, and basically what the power of one person can do when you are part of a collective experience of other professionals like yourself. Okay, so we're going to dive right into it. Here's the interview with Dr. Stephen Ferrara. All right, I am here with Dr. Stephen Ferrara. Thank you, Stephen. Welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Amanda.
0: So I would love for you to give our listeners a bit of an introduction to you, to your professional path and journey, and just kind of give us give us the story of you, if you would.
1: Sure, I'd be happy to. So I knew early on I wanted to go into healthcare, and I really wasn't sure which area of healthcare I wanted to. Uh, And I knew this back in high school. So high school, I found uh, some opportunities for me to volunteer. Uh, One was at a a local emergency room, and I was lucky to have a cousin who's an emergency room nurse. And I got to see a lot of things up close, you know, as a 15-, 16-year-old volunteer uh, it was certainly eye-opening, but I knew that healthcare was the right uh, pathway for me. So I continued, uh, you know, through high school and got into college and decided to major in biology because I still wasn't sure at this point in time. What part of medicine or what part of the healthcare system I wanted to be in. And, you know, I, I had all the options on the table. I thought, you know, nursing, physician, uh, physical therapist, pharmacist. So I did that whole uh, inventory of, of professions and continued through college and became an emergency medical technician. So I knew I wanted to be in a direct patient care uh, facing area. And I really loved being an EMT and and getting to help people. As I was getting closer and, um, you know, probably my sophomore, junior year, I said, okay, I need to make a decision here. What am I going to do? And I spoke to a few friends that had siblings who were physicians. And three or four of them all said the same thing. And it was very disheartening to me. Uh, They said, I would not go into medicine if I had to do it all over again. Now, I value their opinions. Uh, These were people I looked up to. And I said, they're all saying the same thing. That is is very telltale. So all the while, I have uh, an aunt who's a nurse, and she was always pushing me towards the nursing route. And I said, "Ah, I'm not sure. And I was still kind of on the fence about what I wanted to do. Well, lo and behold, I found myself in my senior year of college, with this, you know, fairly useless biology degree, and um, needing to make some some decisions, right? You know, I, I knew that I did not want to work in a lab. I did not want to, you know, work sort of behind the scenes somewhere. I wanted to be speaking with with patients. So I graduated college with the intent of going back and becoming a nurse. And and I knew I decided to to be a nurse, but I wanted to take a couple of years and get some experience. Uh, I became a medical assistant in an ear, nose and throat uh, physician's office. And that was uh, really interesting. Uh, And it was really a great way for me to get to speak with patients and get sort of chief complaints and just get an idea of being in in a clinical setting. And with that, I applied to school. I had all of the science prerequisites as a biology major and went to an accelerated BSN program. And uh, I knew also really early on I wanted to be a nurse practitioner. Um, I knew I wanted to be helping and partnering with patients, making healthcare decisions, uh, being able to improve their lives. And I thought, for me, being a nurse practitioner was the best way to do that. Went into nursing, got my BSN in that first year, worked as a floor nurse in a med surge orthopedic unit, which was very busy, uh, great experience, and continued on to be um, a nurse practitioner. From there, I uh, got a job in uh, college health. And, and that was really, really exciting and dealing with various immunizations and, and public health concerns on a college campus. And uh, that was great. I also worked for a short time in a correctional facility, which was also very, very different. And, you know, giving care to those who really didn't have great access was a great experience. Unfortunately, everything I learned in school and, you know, wanted to teach patients and, and help the system just didn't allow patients to do so. So that wasn't a very long uh, position for me. Uh, I knew I wanted to kind of be with, you know, patients that I could give recommendations to and and that they could be participatory in in their healthcare. And, you know, from there on, I I had some various jobs. I worked in occupational health uh, at at a medical center. And I knew somewhere throughout that pathway, I wanted to get my doctorate in nursing. Uh, I knew I wanted to, you know, have this practice doctorate, this clinical doctorate, and enrolled in a, in a program. And it was a part-time executive style format. And in three years, I, I got that DNP. And I know there's lots of controversy with the DNP, but I can honestly say for me, uh, in my career, it has certainly helped me and sort of broadened my my perspectives uh, in the healthcare system.
0: That's great. Um, part of the reason why I wanted to talk with you and have you on the show, I I didn't, I've never told you this story before, but when I was a new nurse practitioner back in 2011, I think this is. When I remember seeing you at okay. a conference, um, and I remember seeing you in kind of a leadership role, whether it was the AANP conference or the New York NPA conference—I don't remember which—but I remember seeing you and and seeing you kind of like a role model as someone who has gone into leadership with your role as an NP and not just leadership, but advocacy and mm-hmm. professional membership leadership. So I would love for you to kind of tell a story about how, you know, how did you go from that clinical career to starting to get involved with more of a, a large scale? Yeah. Uh, I will
1: say that it uh, was not intentional. Uh, it sort of came out of necessity <laughs> Uh, so you know, along that career path, uh, I will say one of the positions I held was with Minute Clinic, uh, the 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 clinic, the healthcare clinic inside CVS, and they were opening clinics in New York or wanted to bring their their model to New York, and. I thought this was fantastic. I said, uh, "CVS is a billion-dollar company. If you're going to put a nurse practitioner inside every CVS, uh, how great uh, for access is this, and how great for nurse practitioners uh, this would be?" So I was on the the ground level with with Minute Clinic in New York, and quickly became really involved with that model. And then we ran into a lot of issues with regulatory regulations and scope of practice issues. And um, New York State kind of gave us a hard time and said, well, this is a nurse practitioner model. We're not so sure about this. And I said, we are doing exactly what we're educated to do. This is not a fake model. Uh, this is you know, a very transparent model of being able to solicit patients, uh, price transparency was was one of the, you know, sort of key hallmarks of the model and, you know, sort of being able to treat patients for non-urgent conditions. So when this was happening, I said, I need to get involved because I feel like everybody's against this model and it shouldn't be that way. You know, we should be able to open this and, and not have any uh, real problems. So, that's when I sort of became active in my state NP association within the uh, Nurse Practitioner Association New York State. I had been a member, but I was not engaged, right? Uh, I was, uh, you know, mid, uh, five, five or six years under my belt as a nurse practitioner. I didn't have any problems in the world. I was like, you know, everything is great. But when these things started to stack against us, I said, I need to get more involved. And with that, uh, I started uh, attending you know, the, the local meetings and I became the membership chairperson of the organization. From there, I ran for treasurer and sort of the rest is history, right? I was able to you know, sort of get familiar with, with the role and it just resonated with me. And I said, I can't do this on my own. I need the help of like-minded individuals. And lo and behold, we were able to move forward with the model. It never really took off in New York the way it has in other states because of, uh, again, a lot of the regulations, a lot of the laws. And this was back in 06, 07, when the economy really started going south. And opening clinics was not part of sort of, you know, in was not in the mix. So it it was bad timing, but it was that incident. It was that experience that said to me, I need to be involved. I need to be amplifying my voice with like-minded individuals. And, and that's how I got involved.
0: That's great. And would you, would you say that after you started to get involved, did that experience then shape the rest of your clinical career trajectory? It did. Trajectory. It did.
1: And um, I, I love seeing patients and, and I occasionally still do, but it is uh, not as often as I would like. And the administrative and other roles that I have really takes the bulk of my time. Uh, and I think, you know, I th- I'm okay with that. Uh, I'm okay with that because in my mind, I feel like I'm helping more people through my advocacy work then on an individual basis. So yeah, it's, it's definitely changed my, my direct clinical trajectory, but I consider myself and I will tell anybody this, I am a nurse practitioner first, I am a clinician and that's how I approach everything. My approach is uh, of that, of a clinician and how could I advocate for my patient, you know, for my profession. And that's how I've sort of framed my
0: career. Yeah, definitely. I love that. Hey, listen up, nurse practitioners and NP students. I'm about to go against the grain here with an unpopular opinion. Have you heard that the NP job market is oversaturated and that you will absolutely struggle to find a job, let alone a job that you love? Well, I'm here to call that out and say that oversaturation is not the problem. And I feel so strongly about this that I recorded a free training for you called Oversaturation Isn't the Problem. And this training explains exactly why spreading this message is actually a problem. And it goes over the other mistakes that may be keeping you from your dream NP job. So it's a totally free on demand video training. You can watch it at theresumerx.com slash class. That's rx.com slash class, all one word. It runs about 35 minutes, and I can guarantee that you will have some serious aha moments during the training. And while you're watching, go ahead and screenshot the training and tag me on Instagram at resumerx so that I know that you're watching. I cannot wait to hear what you think. You and I have talked previously about kind of an observation that we both have that a lot of professional organizations, they don't seem to have the freshest faces or, you know, the younger, um, newer generation of nurses and nurse practitioners. So do you think that there's a reason for that? And kind of what can we do to... Do uh, yes.
1: That? So I do think there is a reason. I, and I think associations and P associations have been victim of sort of... Uh, Closed mindset, you know, maybe not so welcoming in meetings and, you know, sort of the same people over and over again. And from the outside looking in, it appears to be a unwelcoming system. Uh, and, and I get that, you know, so I think it's really important for NP organizations to innovate, to meet nurse practitioners where they are, wherever that is in their career. And that's kind of where where we're at today. You know, the the joke inside um, NP associations is, you know, don't excuse yourself to go to the bathroom like during a meeting because you may get nominated to be like the next treasurer or the next secretary um, because there is not enough volunteers. You know, so we face an issue that there's not enough volunteers. The same people are doing the bulk of the work and we need to find ways to innovate and engage. You know, I speak to a lot of NP students, I speak to a lot of mid or late career nurse practitioners, and they tell me, I don't need your associations, I can get whatever information I need on my own. And while that could be true, you know, again, I think it goes back to having a collective loud voice to advocate for uh, whether it be, you know, legislative changes, regulatory changes, but not just that, you know, that's not all about what NP associations do. That's that's a part. But the other part is networking and, and being able to have educational programming and continuing education. So there's a lot more to NP organizations than just lobbying and, and being part of that political process. I would even say that uh, health policy is not only uh, legislation. It it happens in institutions. So if you're working at a a large hospital system and there is a policy and procedure of something, somebody wrote that. And they may not have been thinking about nurse practitioners when they wrote that policy. And that's why I, I say it's up to every nurse practitioner to look at the policies, to examine what's being done, and ask, is this equitable? Is this sort of arbitrarily restricting what I'm capable of? And that's what I would tell any uh, nurse practitioner to do, regardless of their setting.
0: Yeah, definitely. I I totally agree. And, you know, I remember being a new grad NP and my final year in school, I went to the National AANP Conference. And I just remember how exciting and invigorating that experience was for me as a student. And I remember thinking, gosh, this is going to be a big cornerstone for me as an NP. I'm going to be very involved and then once that transition to practice happened it was like i was just trying anything to stay afloat and i hear now you know i i have a lot of newer np's in my community that are kind of going through the same thing a very rough transition from nurse to np and the concept of adding another responsibility is really hard to conceptualize but Uh, I think to some extent, being involved in an organization could be an opportunity to help with that transition as well. What have you seen or heard from kind of early career NPs who have been involved? What does their involvement really mean?
1: And I think it stems from being a student. You know, all or most uh, organizations discount student membership. And we want students to be part of of this organization. Uh, There are resources and tools to become, uh, you know, sort of to help you along the way. But I think, you know, certainly it's not on every student nurse practitioner's mind to be part of their NP, either state or national NP association. And, you know, in all reality... Life will go on if you're not a member of the association, unfortunately. For for us in the association world, uh, we want every single nurse practitioner to feel uh, part of that community and and connected. So it, it becomes a challenge because, you know, if you're a student especially or if you're starting off, you know, after you're a student, that discount goes away. And you have to pay normal membership dues and you say, mm, do I really, you know, I'm still looking for that perfect NP job and, you know, I could spend this money elsewhere. So it's not front and center of early nurse practitioners' minds. And it, it really should be. And this is the reason why all of the knowledge, all of the information and your practice as a nurse practitioner You can't put that into practice if there are state laws or other issues preventing you from doing the very thing that you just spent the last few years of of your life doing. And it depends on what your livelihood is, right? Like when you become a nurse practitioner, I would say most people will maintain that career trajectory for life. Um, You know, it's not sort of, oh, let me try this and then change, change career. So it really is an investment in in your career. And we have a a varied uh, way of involvement, right? So some people say, look, I can't go to your meetings. I can't knock on legislators' doors, but I support you. And my membership dollars are going to support you. And I know it's important. That's great. You have other people who want to be more involved. They want to go the, to the Capitol. They want to speak to their uh, legislators. And that's fantastic, too. So we have opportunities for people to do that as well. And, and it is my hope as you know, executive director of the Nurse Practitioner Association of New York State is that we can match people's desires with what the needs are. Of, of the organization, it's not always perfect, and it's frustrating to me when I have somebody who says, "Hey, I want to get involved," and you know I could kind of steer them into it or advise them into one direction, and that was not exactly what they were uh, wanting or looking for. And people's uh, lives change. You know, there might be a time when you have uh, some time in your life to dedicate it—an a- hour, a month—and then you know, families and, and other responsibilities and then you don't have that time anymore. But, you know, I think the threat is this. It's being able to support your association on the state and federal levels because, you know, these are the folks that are fighting for us, that are making sure that we can do the careers that we've spent so much time and energy and money investing in.
0: Yeah, for sure. And so for anyone who's not a member of any organizations and they had to pick one, where should they start? Should they start with their state, with their local, with a specialty? What,
1: That's what a really good them? question. And and the challenge that we have is that there are so many associations. Uh, there are state, there are national, there are specialty And there are, you know, interdisciplinary ones. And and I have to say, look, I'm biased, right? I'll I'll, I'll admit I'm biased. And I'm going to say, if you have one to choose, uh, it should be the state association that you plan on, the state in which you plan on practicing. uh, Because that is going to dictate what you can and what you can't do as a nurse practitioner. And sort of look at it, you know, from there. If it was a perfect world, you'd join your state, you'd join your national and your specialty uh, organization. But for me, I think you know what I can or can't do as a nurse practitioner in New York state is set by the legislature, by our Nurse Practice Act that every state has. Um, and it is that Nurse Practice Act that to, in order to change it, a law has to be passed, signed by the governor of that state in order for it to be implemented. So that's where i'd put you know my limited funds if if i had to choose one
0: yeah i think that's a great a great hierarchy. And I know that a lot of people, especially a lot of people who are looking to advance their career or even NPs looking for their first job, they're joining organizations, especially as resume builders, which is totally fine. I recommend that. But let's say that they now are ready to get involved. How should someone raise their hand? Should they reach out to someone? Should they go to a meeting? What's that like first step that they can take if they're a member? But Yeah. Not and at I, I all think yet? it
1: depends on... On the uh, structure of the organization. Uh, I'll talk about the New York State Association, and I'm familiar with many of the other state associations, is that there, there are meetings. There are local, you know, chapter-type meetings, and they're open to all members. Uh, most are free. Some charge, you know, $10. And of course, this was pre-COVID, right, when we were actually meeting in person now it's it's a little bit harder to do so cuz everything has turned virtual but go to one of those meetings and i will tell you this cuz i remember myself it's intimidating it's intimidating to go to a meeting where you know no one and you know, you're trying to kind of you know, people know each other. They've been NPs for 20 years, uh, so they have these long-standing relationships. But uh, I will uh, challenge you to stick it out and to be part of that uh, association. Say hi. I've seen jobs uh, that were announced in those meetings that are never posted online somewhere. You know, it's or it will be posted in two weeks, but you know, the person who works in that department is saying, hey, I know of a job that's opening up, uh, you know, because somebody just left. You can't replace that uh, with with anything. You could scour the online um, postings, but I think the postings, uh, the the jobs that you're able to get through networking uh, are so much more powerful and probably more akin to what people are looking for than trying to fit themselves in, in this job description. So yeah, so go to a meeting first, I would say. And if there's not a, a meeting in your area, I say email the president, email one of the leaders of the organization and you know ask them how to get more involved. And they will. And look, if they tell you there's nothing, well, then I would say, is this the best organization for me? You know, it, it is your money and you want to invest it uh, and your time wisely. So if an organization for some reason doesn't resonate with your philosophy, that's OK. And I would say find an organization that does that does align with what your interests are.
0: Yeah, I love that. I definitely agree. So um, our recommendations for our listeners today, if you are not yet a member of a professional organization, please consider joining at least your state professional organization first, and then you can look into your national and specialty organizations. And if you are a member, but maybe have not gotten involved yet, you can start by attending a meeting either in person or virtual. And that second line of contact would be to reach out to a leadership person on the organization. So that is fantastic advice. Dr. Ferrara, thank you so much for being with us and sharing your knowledge and wisdom. It is really a pleasure to get to speak with you today. And I well, thank you so day. much, Amanda.
1: I appreciated uh, our time together and I look forward to uh, continuing to hear about your guests' amazing work and uh, and following you as well.
0: Awesome. Thank you. Well, that does it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and making it all the way to the end. If you found today's episode helpful, would you take a minute and give me a rating or review on Apple Podcasts? It will truly help other nurses find this show and know that it's worth listening to. For more information about this episode, as well as a place to submit your questions or suggestions for future episodes or guests, head to nursebecoming.com. I cannot wait to connect with you again soon. And until next time, remember, I am always rooting for you.